Hi there, friend. My name is John Werner. I used to be a part of the largest cult in the United States. After studying the Bible, Christian history, and ministry, I set my sights on confronting the problematic nature of white evangelicalism in the United States. In 2019, I published my first book as a first step in addressing the subtle issues of this complex system. This podcast will continue that work under the same title. Welcome to The Cult of Christianity. On today's show, we have the host of one of my favorite new podcasts. He's a former professor of Azusa Pacific University, where he was surrounded by white evangelicalism at the same time as completely deconstructing his faith. His podcast, Chapel Probation, is where he interviews former students and faculty of APU, and they discuss racism, sexism, bigotry, and early alt-right shenanigans that they experience there. Perfect honesty, like the the quality of what he produces, I think is as good as NPR. It's a fantastic podcast. I'm so excited he agreed to come on. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here, and thanks for those nice words. Um, the yeah, the production. I, I full disclosure, I produce music for a lot of people, so I had all this gear <laughs> at, ready to go. <laughs> Didn't want it to go to waste. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, might as well use all this and. Make it sound okay, and all the music, most of the music is mine, and uh, yeah, so it's a, it's been that's fun. incredible. It's really, really good. Uh, also, some guy named Chris is here. Hey, it's some guy. What's up? Hey, some guy. <laughs> As y'all know, Chris is one of my besties, and uh, he's been on the show a couple times, and uh, glad to have him back to help me out with this. Um, Scott, uh, this is kind of my baseline question I ask most people. Um, how did you relate to Christianity the first 18 years of your life? First 18 years, I was a good conservative evangelical attending a sort of proto-megachurch. You know, was, they weren't called megachurches, but it was like a big church here in Pasadena. And I was all in. I was, a, I was like a worship leader and led Bible studies. And... Uh, yeah. So I went to UC San Diego for college and joined InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So I was still 18 there. And yeah, 18 is a good marker because I think I started to ask questions and I started to have questions asked of me as a Christian by classmates and professors that uh, I couldn't answer. <laughs> um, I thought I could. My little pat Christian sayings and little Bible verses uh, really didn't didn't provide adequate answers to some really good questions, and so yeah, up to eighteen, I would say I was uh, a solid conservative evangelical. Was that um, was your family all conservative evangelical or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my parents, so we're Japanese American. My parents came out of the, the incarceration camps of World War Two. And I, th I think when you, for our community, when you go through that, you just want to be a good American. So that doesn't happen again. So for my parents, I think being Christian was one of the ways I think they kind of grabbed onto to, to prove to America that we were, we were, we were okay. <laughs> we, we weren't, um, we weren't going to worship or follow the Japanese emperor, um, from, you know, after World War II. So, um, 
so even still, they were just sort of marginally Christian. They, they got witnessed to by some neighbors and cursed those people. They invited my parents to like one of those Bible study fellowship groups. And, you know, where they, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like a national thing where you sit and just, you, you like write like a book worth of notes about the stuff you read. And so my parents got all into that. And then we started going to like this other church and yeah, that's so yeah, the whole family was interestingly, both my brother and I have deconstructed completely um, in our adult years, but uh, my parents are still, still going to that same church. There's so much uh, social commentary wrapped up in, in your story there about, um, yeah, I, I, it hurts because it's, it's, you know, part, it's unveiling part of the, the problematic history here in this country. And so while there's like a deeply personal element, there's definitely something larger at play socially there. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've come to, you know, when I was in Christianity, I didn't see it that way. Um it was sort of as I was working my way out of it, I could see why my parents chose a church that was predominantly white and middle and upper middle class. You know, it, for them, it was part of their journey of upward mobility in America. I mean, they were fully Christian and they still are. And, they, and it, they, their, their faith is very deeply held. But um, it, yeah, it doesn't take a psychologist, psychiatrist or psychologist to, to look at their story and say, ah, I, that makes sense. I, I see why they were they were drawn to that. Yeah, and certainly no shame on that, right? Like, survival is necessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I used to be really angry at them <laughs> for, for you know, as I spent most of my uh, 20s and 30s sort of deprogramming my upbringing. Um, but as I as I got older and the more I read and learned about that period of history, yeah, I, I definitely have sympathy for, for what they went through, obviously, yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Just that would be a, a hard place to be in. And I, that's, I can't even wrap my head around it. So looking back now, I'm like, that seems like an understandable direction to go, understandable decision to make. And it's one that I've, I've read a lot of stories similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of your uh, biggest questions that led to your deconstruction? Um, it probably started with the hell question. Um, as I got older. That's my favorite realized... one. I'm glad you said that. Okay. Yeah. Start <laughs> with the big one, right? Um, the uh, I looked in the Bible to try and find where hell was. And it's other than some vague references to like separation and torment and things like that. Uh, I, I didn't see it. And I, Cause I really was worried about my friends and my, and my, a lot of my family on my mom's side were Buddhists. And so <laughs> I was that nerdy Christian kid that was like laying awake at night, praying for them and hoping to, to save them. Oh man, I remember that. <laughs> right? And and but then so like well what is hell and um when you dig deep into the Bible you realize there's there's not a ton of stuff about or heaven or hell. And um it turns out I I I've read this that apparently a lot of the imagery of hell comes from like Cecil B DeMille <laughs> movies of like the early 20th century. Um that sort of just became canon for how we understand hell to be, you know, like with little devils running demons running around in fire and it looks like a cave i guess um so yeah because it's it's down down in the bowels of somewhere it's certainly evolved over time like you know you got dante's inferno and then you've got yeah. you know greek ideas of hades and right. yeah hell i've i've mentioned this on other episodes but yeah hell i i just call it made up our our current understanding of it at least yeah yeah 
and then capped off by the Left Behind series with uh, all the the uh, end times uh, mythology that also isn't in the Bible. Um, so yeah, and then issues of like uh, homosexuality when I was in college. This is like the early nineties. Um, yeah, I, I again. We, there, the Bible does not say a whole lot about it. It says a few things, but it's always in the context of passages filled with things that we don't follow anymore. Um, so why, why follow that one? Um, so yeah, there was for me it was mostly academic or intellectual. These sort of moral things that to me just didn't add up. And so you, you start pulling away one of them, and then you, you find another one, and you know it's just sort of just snowballs and next thing you know you're having a existential crisis of faith and gotta love how those will sneak up on you <laughs> yeah yeah it's always good to have a existential crisis once in a while yeah it's good for us right yeah my experience was uh started with the it's the same similar questions actually hell was probably the first one from like childhood and then you start questioning things like homosexuality and few other pieces here and there just the question of evil kind of came towards the end for me instead of the beginning but right it took a took a like just having a traumatic experience with spiritual abuse to really like basically just make me stop pushing the questions away and then it kind of just all came crashing down at the same time i was like oh i I don't think i really like any of this this is I'm, i'm seeing a lot of problems here and i don't have the motivation to keep fighting to explain it all away anymore yeah the mental gymnastics gets exhausting right yeah, exactly. And at some point, if you just decide I'm done doing the mental gymnastics, then all of a sudden you realize that, well, for me, I realized that I, maybe I didn't believe a lot of these things from the beginning. It just, I kept trying to convince myself that I did. Right. Right. Yeah. Same for me. The big three seems to be, you know, uh, hell, um, ethics, which sexual ethics are big on that. And then, uh, you know, creationism that tends to be like the, the three, like, wait, oh, what, yeah. what's the deal here? <laughs> yeah. Science. Uh, I did a whole episode of my podcast about the science and Chris mentioned evil. I think that's, I did, I should have also mentioned that, that whole bad things happening to good people, good things happening to bad people. And so is God responsible for the bad things or is, is, is God powerless to stop the bad things? And if he is powerful to stop it, why doesn't he? Um, yeah. So, all all the things. <laughs> gotcha. So, and and that's typical, you know, a lot of people, when you leave a faith, sometimes they're like, what happened? And they're expecting like a short answer. And it's like, no, this is a very gradual process. Um, but, you know, you're, you're going through this process. And from what I, I know about you, you're kind of already deconstructed or at least deconstructing by the time you're teaching at a Christian college. Is that correct? Yeah, I was... Deacon, I, I was definitely not a conservative evangelical. I didn't know what I was, but you know, I was still hanging on to my faith when I started teaching. Uh, it was like 1998, so I still called myself a Christian. But I would, if someone asked, it would that would start like this long conversation of like, "Well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not," you know, all these things <laughs> that are typically associated with Christianity. Um, but I still knew how to speak conservative Christian. <laughs> I was uh, I was still fluent in in the lingo. So it was easy enough to teach a few classes here and there. I didn't think I was going to stay. I was also teaching at community colleges in the area. So I figured it would just be more experience and more money. And I, I would just move on and get a full-time gig at one of the community colleges. Um, but there's, there are, there were very few 
professors of color <laughs> at this school. Big surprise. So they kept giving me more classes and, and eventually promoting me. And suddenly I'm having forming relationships with student groups. Uh, I, help, I help start like an Asian American uh, student club and I help and eventually later on help the, the LGBT kids um, start a secret underground club. Um, so it was okay. That's I felt like I had a lot to to do there. Yeah, it it was scary because we could all have gotten kicked out. But oh yeah, um, but yeah, it felt like we were doing the right thing for sure. Yeah, there's almost an element of like you can kind of be. I think I the very different issues, but I I think some of my positivity or positive feelings I felt when I was at Bible College were related to hey, I'm kind of like a a big fish in a small pond. Um. Like there's a, there's you know something that kind of is encouraging about that, and that doesn't make you know the experiences less real or the connections less real. Um, but there right. can be an element of like, oh, this is kind of I'm having a lot of influence here. This is this is kind of nice. Yeah, and for me, I, maybe maybe not. Okay, yeah, influence. I guess as a professor. Um, but yeah, the the real issue was the relationships formed and feeling like. I was needed to help these kids um, navigate the experience of either not being white or not being straight or just feeling on the margins of, of the culture. So, yeah, I'm sure you I'm sure you were needed. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't mean it in any kind of nefarious way. I mean, it yeah, yeah, like a, for sure. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a good impact, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely slept well. <laughs> I woke up every day looking forward to helping students, you know, a learn English skills like composition and literature, but but also helping students navigate their faith in in any context. Because um, even as I lost my faith completely by around the Bush election, the re-election of two thousand four, uh, I still felt like I was perfectly equipped to help students be better Christians, at least be more thoughtful. You know, be Christians who had interrogated their own faith and and thought through the more difficult issues. So that's why I was able to sort of stay with any good conscience. Cause I wasn't trying to like win people over to agnosticism or um, proselytize in any way. I was, I was literally just teaching my classes and we had to do faith integration. So when it came up, uh, yeah, it was easy to talk about sort of a progressive Christianity, liberation, theology, things that fell under the umbrella of, you know, it's, it's the outside of the umbrella of Christianity, but it's, it's still under the, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm sure you have positively impacted so many students, so I'm I'm glad you were there. And I even like I, I think Chris would attest this too. There were there were some professors who we wouldn't agree with all their views, especially now, but just their their care for us being thinkers and not just Kool Aid drinkers um, was was really good, you know, and impactful. Yeah, it's as long as you feel like you're heard, right? You're, you're, the person is listening to you and understands where you're coming from. You can have a relationship. Um, yeah, in one of the future episodes of my podcast, there's this student who we did not agree on anything <laughs> when he first came to my class, and but we had we we listened to each other and we talked after class about life and um, we became friends, even though theologically and politically we had nothing in common um and he started went through this journey where he's now i think i think he describes himself as an anarchist um so we see a lot more eye to eye on things now but um yeah i think it's great when you can 
forge a relationship with someone that you don't necessarily agree with, you know, everything. Certainly there's deal breakers. If, if, you, if you know, if the person doesn't see humanity in the other person, there's really not a relationship to be had. But so long as there's that, uh, you can, you can, um, you can build bridges of, of understanding and, and care. Did you feel like a, a any, you know, I don't, I'm sure there were many stories, so you don't have to like recount them all, but if you could describe it in maybe more emotive ter- terms, like what was, what was teaching at a Christian college that I assume was very, you know, white evangelical as you're, you know, pulling away from white evangelicalism? Like, what was the overall kind of feeling in your soul about all that? Um, it was tough at times. Um, knowing, um, I describe, I'm writing a book about it too. Um, knowing I had to acknowledge that it was their house that I was sort of, uh, that I didn't fit into. No, I, I felt like I had a place there and some, some of my colleagues and, and a lot of, and some of the administrators saw that I had a place there, the ones that I got to know, but by and large, the handbook for professors and the handbook for students, there was a lot in there that, you know, I found highly objectionable and, um, it, it made me think twice about what I was doing there. But at the end of the day, I felt, I felt good about being there. Cause like I said, I was, I was helping conservative kids at least for a semester <laughs> think about different points of view. Um, and maybe shining lights on some of the the holes in their theology, or at least maybe not holes, but things that they had never thought about. You know, if if I could get a, a, a conservative kid to see something human in, you know, a gay person or a person of a different religion, you know, to me that was that was a win. That you know, it, I maybe didn't change their mind. You know, they they may they usually left still thinking being gay was a, a horrible sin, <laughs> a, a really scary one for them, or you know, someone who's Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist is still going to hell. But at least, at least they could be shown that the humanity of these people um, a little bit. And so, to me, I thought I was I was helping them see these things and integrate them into their faith. Um, to make ideally make the world better, you know. They, then they tell two friends, and then they tell two friends. You know, planting seeds, <laughs> and then you have a, a a cult before you know it. No, yeah, uh, yeah. I should have done that. I would have. There's a lot of money in cults, right? There's a. Oh yeah, <laughs> I missed an opportunity there. For sure. <laughs> no, I I totally agree. I think forward forward is forward, no matter the pace, right? And uh, yeah, total totally agree that you know. Uh, softening or eliminating bigotry, even if it doesn't completely dismantle a problematic view, is still a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, um, having an effect, you know, in a small way on on in certain individuals can can have an effect farther down the line. So, oh, yeah. um, I mean, there were obviously a lot of students. Not a lot. I got on great with most of my students. There was always one or two every semester that just hated my guts, <laughs> um, who just thought. I was so evil for even thinking about these things. Um, That's how you know so, you're doing it right. Yeah. So <laughs> funny, funny story. The 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 guy I just mentioned, um, his wife also went to the school, and apparently she she was super conservative, and she walked into my like intro to lit class, and I had learned at, but I guess by the time she came in, 
I learned how to weed out the the just intractable conservatives, the ones who un, completely unwilling to think about anything. You know, they came to APU to avoid people like me. So I, I had a canned speech at the beginning of each semester where I would say, like, you know, if if you think Obama's the Antichrist, um, if if you think Fox News is is inerrant, <laughs> um, this is not the class for you because you know we're gonna really dig into things like this. And there would always be one or two or five people just storm out of the room right there and then. Um, and that was good because if they stayed, it would be a long, horrible semester fighting it out with, with them and it would go nowhere. And in fact, it, it detracted from the quality of conversations that we had. And this woman who I, who I just re-met a few weeks ago and I interviewed her husband <laughs> admitted that she was one of the people that stormed out of the room and, uh, and she's not that way now, obviously. So we had a good laugh about it. Um, yeah, you should have uh, you should have sent all those kids to uh, to Moody. They probably would have been a lot happier. <laughs> I'm sure they uh, wish they went there. Yeah, when they when they <laughs> found me, because she literally said she's like, I thought you were so evil. I thought what I came to APU so I wouldn't have to deal with people like that. And she said she she wrote it. She immediately went home and emailed her mom. Oh my gosh, I just I just I just met the most horrible person I've ever seen. And, and um, yeah, yeah. Can't believe wow. they let him teach here. Yeah, I got, <laughs> right. actually, I got that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. so probably two professors who, it, in their case, I don't think either one was you know secretly abandoning or losing their faith. One ended up going on to work for a fairly conservative uh, think tank, and then another is still working at a tiny Bible college. But both of them did have that same kind of similar perspective of trying to shake up the very intractable views that some of these students that all of us were coming in with. And one was a, a philosophy professor professor that uh, John also had a pretty good relationship with. And he, he had a few good canned speeches towards the beginning and end and would make a point of trying to be like, you, you guys are here to be indoctrinated. I'm here to educate you. Um, which that would, uh, that shook up some people. Um, and then I had another who was a, he would teach cultural anthropology among other classes. And, um, it's probably the most, from, from a standpoint of what he was teaching, probably one of the most liberal, uh, professors I had. Um, and he, he would get that reaction of people coming up. Usually, I don't think I ever saw anybody storm out of the classroom, but it was people coming up to him afterwards, getting really angry and trying to fight with him. Um, yeah. for me had a really good impact on shaking up my, my, very strict, narrow worldview and making me think more broadly and uh, start considering and respecting other viewpoints, even if I didn't agree with them, um, which opened up doors for me to start considering for myself viewpoints that I never would have considered before. Um, and I'm yeah. really thankful for that. Um, you know, even whether or not they huh? would approve. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whether or not they would approve of where I ended up. Um, sure. which I think they wouldn't. Um, I, I, I think they had a huge impact on my ability to think for myself and hopefully an impact on a lot of these conservative students, you know, helping them respect and see the humanity in people and ideologies that they didn't agree with. And so I'm, I'm honestly, it's really, it's really cool to meet, um, another professor who was doing something similar. Um, cause, uh, Lord knows we need a lot more people like that. If we're going to have Christian colleges, those kinds of professors are essential, in my opinion. That just really is a game changer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, ideally that those professors would still be Christian, I suppose, <laughs> in the in the Christian schools. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, from the point of view of the kids who are still Christian, I, I guess. But the yes, funny thing exactly, was, yeah. at the end of the semester, you know, students fill out these evaluations, and most don't write anything; they just fill out the bubbles and turn it in. But you know, there was a there's a, there's a section for comments. And every semester, someone would write something really nice saying, like, you know, Professor Okamoto is like a great example of a, Christ- of a Christian. And, and, and I was like, wow, I'm not, I don't believe it, but I was presenting as uh, a Christian and um, the messages were getting through to, to some people. So, yeah, there's, there's some good trouble to be had, right? Like, they're in, in those, uh, in those uh, moments, right? Where it's like, well, I, you know, I, I've joked that I've preached sermons that I didn't believe while I was giving them. Um, but, but yeah. I believed in, I believed in, I was using their rhetoric and their foundation to make a point that I actually believed. Um, which again is disingenuine and a good reason to get out. Uh, but it was, uh, it, it I still think they're, I actually just got a message the other day from someone who's like, Hey, your message in chapel, I know you're not a Christian anymore, but it actually meant a lot to me. And, uh, I'm still a Christian, but that that what you were getting at, I think, was important. And I'm like, okay, great, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Wait, you spoke in the chapel? Oh, I won. <laughs> this is I was not planning on talking about this. Yeah, let's go for it. Um, <laughs> so, well, Chris, do you want to chime he's, in here? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he's, he's he won he won preaching. He won Olympic gold in preaching. We'll we'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> he won. Uh, is this the summer Olympics or the winter Olympics? Yeah, yeah. It's summer. I guess summer. summer. Yeah, May. yeah, yeah. May. So it was uh, every year they would do a uh, the preaching um, major, uh, because we had a preaching major, would do what they called a homiletical jury. So uh, well, I guess was this all the seniors, John? Yeah, correct. Yeah, Everyone so the, who's graduating. So the senior, senior class, as they're on their way out, would um, do their, their final masterpiece um, present a sermon, um, as part of their, their final class. And, um, they would do this before a panel of judges and the winners, the top two winners would then give their, uh, give their sermons to the entire student body in chapel. And John was one of those people. Wow. So this is when you were still in undergrad. Correct. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> and it's funny because by that point, I was, a, I would say, at least administration viewed me as a troublemaker. Um, so it was kind of a fun little send off to, um, in fact, one of the judges, like, at one point in my Moody career was not a fan of me, um, but still gave me high marks for my preaching. Uh, so yeah, I still, I still have it framed. I have my little award winning, uh, preacher uh certificate <laughs> wow so so you were one of those kids who started college as as a christian and by the end you had sort of deconstructed i am one of those who uh was on I, i've heard you say on your podcast on fire yeah uh I, I was I was uh I was I was ready to go save everybody. Um and I was like, what's the quickest way to do that? And then I was like, that's expensive. What's the cheapest way to do that? <laughs> and then uh <laughs> Moody came up and I had a weird connection to Moody, but uh yeah, um I I kept going and then I didn't really uh 
I, I would say I was a Christian up until probably a year after Moody. Um, but I was definitely fed up with Christians long before I was fed up with Christians by the end of freshman year. Um, wow. and, uh, you know, I, I was, a a I was one of the editors of our academic journal that, that, uh, that campus put out and all my articles were basically just like, <laughs> really just like angry <laughs> rants about how Moody was messed up. Wow. So, so you and I have something in, in common there. While I was at APU, the students voted for me to speak in chapel. Uh, at the oh end boy. of every year, they have they have a professor give the chapel talk, and so it was kind of awkward when they when they told me you've been selected. It's you know it's a big honor. You know it's like speak in front of you know several thousand kids. So I posted it on my website, R. Scott Okamoto. There's there's a, I found the clip, and that's me trying to navigate saying something. Inspirational, <laughs> and not, but I didn't act like I was super Christian. But um, I think I used a little bit. But yeah, I was already you know completely deconstructed by then. So I gave a talk on like how poetry and 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 the poetic lens you look through is Christ-like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it got that that chapel talk got me in a lot of trouble because I said positive things about my gay friends in it. And, um, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of the end for me, but that's funny. You and I have that similar experience where like, yeah, give a, give a sermon, give a, give a, to the kids. <laughs> yeah. We won't talk about mine because Chris will make fun of me if we start talking about nah. what the message was, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it's worth making fun of. It's on YouTube. Google it? it if you want. All yeah. right. John, John yeah. Verner. Yeah. Moody. Yep. Moody yep. Spokane. Yeah, if you insist, go ahead. Um, actually, <laughs> it's a good time. Might, yeah, <laughs> it's cringy. And then I, could, I, uh, I should contact Chris, and then we can talk smack about yeah. it. But... And we'll record He'd a podcast that. where we just dissect yeah. it. Let's and... let's break this down. <laughs> I'll point out everywhere he was being ingenuine. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I so I have a, I have like a another show I do called Parsing Propaganda, and it's on my to do list. It's too long of a sermon, but it's on my to do list to do a multi part oh. series. Wait, on how me. long he is can... it? Uh, it's like, uh, let's see, how long is what, it? Three, Probably four like hours. Minutes. <laughs> no, it's like it's like thirty minutes, it but you know. Like... <laughs> yeah it did to me um but uh yeah i i want to do like a three-parter on me to deconstructing it myself um and nice. where i where i went wrong but uh we're talking about christian college and you know some of the the listeners might not they were like what the heck are you talking about um yeah so first first off i just wanted to find some like terms so so there's like historically christian colleges you know uh like um duke emory baylor like those those don't really matter anymore they're they might be technically christian but that's that's not really they're more liberal arts than anything um right or, or other type of stuff um and they might have like you know like a specific religious or seminary and like sect of their school but but in general they're just universities um we're right. not i'm not too worried about those for this conversation or even catholic um, schools catholic schools tend right to still be very fine academic institutions because they sort of gonzaga yeah yeah, they sort of, uh, you know, Boston College, I think. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the Catholics take it, approach it like our gift to the community is this institution of higher education. So it's not an indoctrination center. Right. Um, 
I mean, they'll offer mass and, you know, have certain rules, but, um, but yeah, it's not like the evangelical schools of today. Right. And then there's probably another distinction to make between like Christian colleges and Bible college. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes down to whether a student would like to study like a wide range of topics or fr- from a Christian worldview, or if they would just prefer to like emphasize, you know, study of Christian theology and ministry. Those would probably be the Bible colleges are more like vocational ministry schools. Yeah. Um, typically, they might have other things, but in general, that's their emphasis. Uh, Christian colleges are like, we'll offer you anything, but, you know, be a Christian. Um, is that fair right. or? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. It's cause you know, uh, so out here we have like APU and Biola and, um, Vanguard and, you know, uh, I, you know, they, they try to have it both ways and they say, this is a top notch, you know, ranked university. Don't ask what number it is, but it's, you know, it's, you know, we've, we've, we've successfully made a university where you get a degree that's, that's actually a valid degree, but you're also going to get a foundation of faith that will, that will sort of complement that degree. Um, so it's, it's a win-win, you know, you get a degree and you get your faith grown, uh, immensely as they promise, but that includes going to like chapel, <laughs> um, Oh, we'll get. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Good. I want to talk about that a chapel. little later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's always interesting to me comparing. Um, my, so, so actually, my my a lot of my family uh, grew up in California. Um, so my my mom spent a year at Biola. Um, I think my aunt went to Azusa Pacific. Um, it's always funny, like talking to people who have gone to some of those Christian universities, those more conservative ones, and realizing how much I had in common with them from my Bible college experience. While at the same time realizing how not a university uh, my Bible college was. Remember, you know, Chris, like, we uh, went to an institute. That's what they we would went always to an say. Institute. I got a bachelor's <laughs> degree, but there weren't that many bachelors to be had. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 Bachelor's um, degrees, I should say. There were a lot of bachelors. To be I was going to say there were a lot of bachelors. Um, <laughs> there, there were a lot of bachelors, and that's why they were there. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, I actually, in preparation for this, I went to APU's website just to kind of peruse it. Oh, yeah. I looked at uh, it the other day, too. That's funny. Yeah. So it said, uh, this was a quote. It said, since the university founded in 1899, APU has incorporated our religious beliefs into every aspect of university life. We yeah. are transparent about our God-first approach to higher education and Christ-centered academic excellence as it reflects our mission-driven identity, including our commitment to diversity. That's kind of just thrown in there. Um, rigorous yeah. curriculum across academic disciplines explores topics infused by faith in the resident halls, during chapel, and in discipleship groups. Students unpack God's call upon their lives and witness his transformation to uphold this distinction. APU employs faculty and staff who share the Christian faith across denominations. All right, so here's the question. Do you think APU has diverse views of faith? Hmm. Yes. Well, to them, yes, because because they will they have faculty who can be like like Presbyterian or Baptist or um so you know, there's there's like a thousand different versions of Christianity, right, in America. So APU accepts, you know, a third of them. <laughs> so so in that sense, yeah. Uh and they even have Catholics at APU, but Catholics suffer greatly 
in those settings. I think in Biola and APU and the, the evangelical schools, because there's this constant debate as to whether they're even Christian or um, there's faculty that are always complaining that, you know, these Catholic faculty complain that their own department fa- colleagues are trying to witness to them constantly <laughs> to try and make them not Catholic anymore. So, okay, that just sounds exhausting. Yeah, right. It's so, it's to, in answer to the question, yes and no. So there's there's diversity of of kinds of conservative evangelicalism, um, but if you're outside of the accepted, you know, few dozen denominations, then it does not feel like it's very diverse. So they're diverse in that they accept anyone who we would probably use the term like orthodox Christianity, right? right. Like it's yeah. like if you're under that umbrella, you're probably good. Um, I was going to say, even un- under that, there's those little issues like, you know, a whole bunch of people don't think women should be in leadership at places like APU. <laughs> and so you get a lot of those fights of, you know, should can a woman be a head pastor or can a woman teach men? Um, so. And yet, both sides of that that issue are welcome at APU, uh, which makes for some, you know, fascinating, uh, rather excited conversations. I, that's I'm glad you brought that up. Not necessarily the specifics, but like that's almost an example of what's kind of cool about Christian colleges. Um, the, the like one of the positive things I'll say about my experience is because <laughs> it's not it's for bad reasons, but because you're so conditioned to be courteous to people you are told are your family like while granted some horrible conversations can happen some really cool conversations between people who probably in a more traditional university wouldn't be talking to each other get to talk to each other in that environment does that make sense yeah definitely and um i I mean as as far as the woman issue if you're not a woman it's a great conversation it's (laughs) it's fascinating um, right yeah <laughs> it's it's fascinating fun if it's till not your humanity's you. on the line yeah yeah exactly if you're a woman it's it's rather uncomfortable i would imagine to to be debating your place um, especially at a university yeah. you know, there are students that will literally say i don't think women should teach uh, and that's ma- male and female students and so right. to, to be a woman at apu a woman professor can be a really tough tough thing yeah, we had a we had a dean who she got this was actually before my time, but I was dealing with the aftershocks when I was a freshman who like she spoke in chapel and there was like <laughs> the Christian equivalent of rioting, which is just men angry talking um, <laughs> about it. And she was the dean. of. <laughs> they yeah. were like, she shouldn't speak in chapel. Uh, crazy stuff. Um, you know, at Moody, we had like pretty stringent doctrinal statements that we had to sign an agreement to um but professors had like even more narrow doctrinal views um but they but professors had less like behavior statements they had to agree to while students had more um i'll phrase it this way are doctrinal statements just as manipulative as behavior agreements yeah depending on the doctrinal statement but yeah whatever it implies as to the behavior Yes. The funny thing is, I would guess just by the the casual conversations that I had, uh, I was trained as a journalist. So whenever there was a lot of professors around, I would sort of slip questions in because I was curious, you know, did do you all believe the thing we signed? Because I didn't, you know, I wanted to get paid. So I signed. Sure. The Bible is, 
infallible and <laughs> inerrant. And yes, I am completely committed to being a full member of my church that I wasn't going to. Um, so yeah, I signed the thing and you know, agreed to it, even though I didn't. And uh, apparently, you know, by my guesstimation, a good third of the faculty was like me that did not did not really care it was just like it's an accredited university i'm good at teaching my my subjects so yeah let's just do that yeah we had some of that at our school you know i got to know a lot of professors and they were comfortable sharing uh where they disagreed with what they signed with me um but it's funny because what they disagreed about is like oh yeah like you know I don't I don't know if I I might be more into covenant theology than dispensationalism. You know, like that was that that was their yeah. big ethical taboo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, that's uh I I I I tend to think that yeah, obviously doctrinal statements kind of have a behavior implication. So while like a hard and fast rule like we had, you know, don't drink even after you're 21. You're not allowed to drink oh, while you right. attend. Um like that's really you know that's you know what you're signing up for with that um well, but when it comes to like get more in trouble right like i don't think professors yeah. would get in trouble oh, well maybe. they could get fired i guess but no, they, sure. they're not yeah. going to get on probation or like <laughs> yeah. whatever um yeah I, I yeah it's 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 crazy to think about now um and there were all these like there were some professors who were like we won't drink either because we in like solidarity with students because they didn't like the rule. It was kind of a really oh, weird, wow. interesting dynamics there. See, I would have um, drank in protest of the rule to in solidarity. Yeah, that would have been more effective, you'd think. See, now that's in spirit. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's a story I'm not allowed to tell on the podcast that oh, I might tell you after. Chris knows what I'm referring uh, to. Did you sign an NDA for this? <laughs> Uh, with myself, yeah. Um, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, real quick, this the I just remembered. I had a colleague. He was this. Um, he was in, in in English, and he was this uh, sort of Northern European, very stern gentleman. And he had problems with the the doctrinal statements. So instead of just signing it, he crossed out the things he didn't agree with and reworded them to fit his doctrines and the school was like yeah okay fine so he there was you could apparently there was some flexibility there i wish i had had the guts to do that on my way out as i was graduating because we had to we had to sign like an application for graduation where you basically reaffirm a bunch of doctrinal positions and um, basically lied to graduate because at that point i had deconstructed most of the way we Um, we all lied at least on that part (laughs) like because it was well. What was scary is like my memory. You, I think you just you looked at it earlier today. But yeah, my we memory of that of that graduation application is like it was almost like it's like do you still like it was <laughs> it wasn't it was a lot more intimidating I guess than like when you're you know eighteen applying to just go to school. Like it was like is this what you're going to teach everybody? You know, like is oh. this what you think? It's kind of scary. So I don't I don't even think I read it. I think I just signed it without reading it. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's like when you sign up, first of all, you kind of think you think, especially as a teenager, if you're if you're starting at that age, you think you know what you're signing up for. But also, like, you might go in thinking some of these things, you know, you might be going in thinking, yeah, I'm comfortable with this. And you sign off on it and you go. And for me, if anything, it was more like I I signed a bunch of things going like, yeah, I'm so glad that they're going to like really like 
you know, solidify these beliefs and like, you know, further indoctrinate me in them. I want that. Uh, yeah. When, when some of those viewpoints change and you're trying to get out, but you want to get out with a degree because you spent money and four years of your life on it, then all of a sudden you feel, you feel really weird when you're like, okay, you're telling me formally that I can't leave without saying these things, without affirming these doctrines. And if I tell the truth and say, well, I disagree with two or three of these things here very strongly, you're just going to deny me my degree? You're going to just tell me, no, all that work and time you put in, nope, and you, would, can't, would you they can't have deny, it. Would they deny the degree? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. They've After done it. all that time and money. That... <laughs> oh, yeah. And don't you yeah. think that's kind of like, I don't know, that's kind of sketchy because it's almost like they're doubting their own ability to educate you in four years. Kind but of, they're not yeah. designed to educate. They're not designed to educate. They're designed to make ministers. Like at, at least at Moody, that's what they were right. designed to do. But it's almost like they're doubting the the ability that, to do that by they sort of like doubling down at the ends. Like you, you, this is what you agree, right? This is what you agree with, right? 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 And it's almost like they're acknowledging that there may be a journey of faith that took place as you as you studied and and learned um, and grew I, I, your faith. I'll, I'll, I'll offer this perspective. I think it's almost like a fuck version of like Christian liability. Like it's almost right. like, well, if you go and don't teach what we want you, because they, you know, Bart uh, Erdman went there and like right. they were, you know, they they have this like paranoia that like, what if someone gets popular and then they start telling what happened here? Um, it's almost like, well, he signed this when he graduated. You know, I think that's yeah. that's kind of what they're thinking. Uh, speaking of signing things, I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but it's made me think of how much crap I had to sign uh, in college. <laughs> but one of the weirdest practices, and I don't think this is very common at any institution, is for so many classes, I, professors would take this shortcut. If there was reading in the class, instead of asking for reflections, which they sometimes would, but instead of asking you to show your work that you read it you would have to sign this thing that said a percentage of how much you read and you had to sign it and then they would spend half an hour to an hour in different contexts whether it be chapel or the you know introduction of the class at the beginning of the year just making you feel like if you don't have integrity you have no business here so make sure you're honest about how much you read and if you didn't re and it still affects your grade so they would basically force a crisis on you about like well i how much percentage of this book did i read and they'll say it'll haunt you forever if you lie on this and like stuff like that whoa that's like psychological warfare or something <laughs> kind of yeah what's funny is i felt more comfortable like i felt like i had to tell the truth on those so like my senior year i was definitely kind of i was struggling with my faith struggling with my commitment to my education so i'm like reading for these classes. And sometimes I was just like, I just can't, I can't do it. Like, I know I can pass these tests. I know I can like, you know, get, get a passing grade here, but I would like sign off that I'd only read 60 to 80% of whatever. And I would get a, you know, a doc in my grade for that. But then when it came to like the graduation one, I was like, yeah, I'll just sign this and say, sure. Why not? Wow. Well, that's almost like, that's like a cost benefit analysis. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's like, exactly well, what I was just thinking. It was like I have to, I, I have to lie to like get out of here. Uh, I'm not gonna like it's it's about like faith and theology and my what I agree with and all these things. But like I'm not gonna like damage my integrity personally just to say that I did work I didn't do. I guess is it was this weird thing. But most of the students I knew who were just like, well, you 
you just say a hundred percent. You just write a hundred percent on there, and you know, whatever. That's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, but but I did that. But I actually did read it. Um, but the other thing though is like you know, I I tend to speed read, right? Like, or I'll do the the first sentence, last sentence of each paragraph thing. Um, <laughs> but like to me, that's a hundred percent. I'm like, I read all the content, you know. But that's but isn't that such an example of how Christians start to redefine what honesty even means? Right. Um, what does read mean? I mean, there right. were professors out there saying, like, I don't mean speed reading. I mean, thorough reading. I had two professors who were very explicit about that. So, yeah, <laughs> it's wild. So, like, did you read fewer than 100 words per minute? Uh, yes hey. or no? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so controlling. It's so crazy. And again, I, I chalk it up to laziness. I'm like, if you want us to read it, make a project that shows we read it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the whole point of usually education is to for the student to demonstrate how well he or she understands the material, uh, regardless of how much you know you read. So yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty tough tough um, way to grade people. So so Scott, your your podcast is called Chapel Probation, which is a very clever title. I love that. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, Christian and Bible colleges often have like requirements for full time and in our case, part time students um, to attend. And it's basically like for us, it was like either uh, mini worship services or it was lectures, uh, you know, a certain time number of times a week. And uh, when I looked up APU's chapel policy, it was actually stricter than Moody's, um, at least on our campus. It read uh, all full-time undergraduate students, including residents and commuters, are required to attend chapel three times a week. You may choose from any of the seven experiences listed below. Uh, no student is automatically excused from chapel for any reason without petitioning through the Office of Judicial Affairs. Yeah. Um, how were students punished if they didn't follow this policy? So it's been it's been eight or nine years since I've been there. So back in the day, it was you could miss ten per semester. Uh, I think there were fourteen or fifteen weeks. So times three, that's like forty five chapels. So you could, as long as you went to thirty five, you were fine. And and there were options. You could go to like the liturgical chapel or to the international chapel. And I guess they have more. You said there were seven options. Yeah, that's what that's what the websites. Oh, okay. I, I read through them. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some in the evening, some in the morning. Right. Kind of oh, that's true. There was, I think, there was four. Uh, I have a funny story about the Wednesday chapel. Uh, anyway, um, so if you miss more than ten, you got on probation, and I think if you went, I can't remember the exact policy, but you basically had to pay a fine of like two hundred fifty dollars. And what? Um, Whoa! Wait. What up- you had? Yeah, you had to pay yeah, two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> cash money, man. Yeah. Wow. Now that's a grift right there, right? Wow. That's, and uh, so you had to pay, and I can't remember at which stage you had to pay the money. It was like if you kept missing and you didn't, you know, there was, there was different, there was different layers, different levels. Um, the you also had to, if you to make up the ones. So if you missed like twelve instead of ten, you had to like. Uh, go online and watch Chapel and write an essay about what it was. Because at APU, it's a full production service. It's like worship with like the full-on megachurch band, and and you had to be a killer player to get on that worship team. You know, you had to audition. You had to. You uh, had to have not chops. to brag, but me and Chris were both on worship teams. Oh, so yeah. we also were at a Bible player. college with six hundred students. 
Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Yeah. Let me have this. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, let John have his his flex, man. That's uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I was a worship leader in university. Yeah, it's a very prestigious thing. But yeah, at APU, man, there's some there's some amazing you know music major, future session players that didn't make the worship team because you know they didn't have the chops. Wow. Um, or, the, or the singing ability. So it, it took it serious. You know, they got a professional stage and lighting and video and multiple. Okay, that's cameras. more prestigious than what me and Chris did. No, it was like <laughs> a full on mega church kind of setup, you know. It's um it, and then so you got your worship with all your, you know, popular songs and then you got a uh campus pastor or or the, the speaker of the day give give a sermon. Um so yeah, three times a week. It's like it's like church three times a week. Yeah, that's because we are actually through my through my time at Moody, the po- chapel policies, I think, changed every year I was there or pretty close to it. Um, by the time I left, I think it was just you have a certain number to hit hit that number. Um, but I fob and dodged most of my senior year where you just fob to check in and peace out. Uh, I didn't stay. Oh, but see, now they 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 accounted for that and they would hire students to be chapel monitors. Oh yeah, uh, loosely called chapel Nazis back in the day, but yeah, I was gonna right say, I, well, I wasn't gonna say, but it came to my mind. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. So these these students were hired to walk up and down the aisles of chapel and make sure no one was sleeping, make sure they were paying attention, make sure they, you know, so like, I so apparently I didn't go to chapel very often because I didn't have to. Um, occasionally, I would go with my students to hear a speaker or someone that you know, someone I knew or something. So they give you a they give you a little slip of paper when you go in and you put your name and your like student ID number on it. And then at the end of chapel, you can turn it into one of the chapel monitors and then they put it in the computer and you get credit for being there. And so if they caught you sleeping, they would take your chapel card from you. So you wouldn't get credit for that for that day. So that's incredible. Right, so I, I've had so many stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, they thought of everything, man. You're you're gonna get this indoctrination. Um. So, uh, one student told me a few weeks ago. She wrote on, and we have a Facebook group where people tell stories. You guys are welcome to join. Um, and uh, this one student said she would pretend to be praying. She would get on her knees and 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 fold her hands together and put her head down on on the chair as if she was praying and but then so they caught good. on and they realized she was sleeping so they yeah, that girl was a genius it. until she got caught there that's yeah yeah that's I think if you, like, you can't do it like for three weeks straight you know and i think they're gonna catch at some point they go you know this girl just doesn't do anything except pray what's yeah, what's going on here at we first they're like wow look at that prayer the, warrior uh, there but, well, we, you have chapel yeah. gestapo they're gonna send in and start investigating and <laughs> yeah oh, oh man so i knew I knew a girl who went to Masters, was it Masters University or whatever? Uh, MacArthur's indoctrination. MacArthur, MacArthur's place. indoctrination camp. Yeah, where they just really, <laughs> they're, it's a special place from the stories I've heard. But that that was the first time I'd ever been introduced to the idea of chapel monitors. Um, and she to- she called them guards. I don't know if that's what they called them, but she called them guards. Uh, and uh, her her boyfriend at the time didn't, didn't even go to the school. And uh, he he was with her and decided to leave. He needed to go take care of something. And basically was just like, he would tell me stories about how he would get harassed on his way out. They're like, hey, where are you going, brother? Like basically trying to stop him. And he'd have to like talk his way out and be like, I, I, I'm not a student. Like, I, I don't go here. Please let me go. <laughs> we did not have it's that. 
the the intimidation factors my because uh when i was in high school i visited uh what is it belmont university not belmont the other one bellhaven um bellhaven university in mississippi and they had chapel and their their fix was much simpler they were just like you have to fob in you know use your card to check in at the beginning of chapel and at the end so that's how they did it um which i guess you could technically skip but it would be a lot of work (laughs) to skip um but there's something almost sinister i really don't like the idea of chapel monitors or guards that that freaks me out a little bit yeah although so one person hit me up on i think on twitter and he said he became a chapel monitor so he could collect his card and his friends cards they would all go back to their dorms and take a nap and then come back at the end of chapel and turn in all the cards <laughs> So that's one, that's one way you could you can't the beat them. Way to beat the system, yes, yeah, yeah, from yeah. the inside. Man. This you could make a whole movie just based on this. This is yeah, I was thinking he could have made money. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I got you covered uh, for for this price. Yeah, there was one time I walked into walked up to the. Uh, the reason I dodged so much when I was uh, a senior is I actually worked. So I had to like go to work. So I just then, so instead of going through their application process to get granted a, a permission, you know, I was like, I'll just dodge and then go to work. Um, but uh, I, I was one time saw this gal who had, I swear, like 18 fobs on a keychain, and she was just going through them and did not care. It was pretty, pretty heroic. So that was the fobs of the other students who was she was yeah 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 so they would get credit for being there yeah yeah that's a that's a good person right there that's yeah that's, that's a hero right <laughs> salute oh, man. man that's next yeah, level absolutely. I fob one or two other people once in a while but I've never I've never even thought about someone just fobbing in like an entire dorm's worth of people <laughs> just like coming up <laughs> like oh yeah I got my whole house here I'm just gonna yeah. beep them all in real quick uh, just no shame me. just standing <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <right? laughs> People well, it's funny because uh, with their mouths, one open. of the <laughs> one of the deans was there, and he was watching, and he was just like, "Chris will know which dean it was." He really didn't care, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Um, that's crazy, though. What we're talking about is insane. Um, it, it, it kind is, of te- it doesn't you, seem so when you're in it, right? But as you look back, you're like, "Wow, that was just normal." Well, what does this have to do with getting a degree? Right? right like it's like you know i'll ask it this i i mean I, I think you even said the word earlier do you think like christian and bible colleges are more about you know education or are they more about indoctrination oh education is definitely the second priority at at least at apu and biola that i know of um you know they say it's the first priority but really i mean you don't get fined if you don't do your homework <laughs> you don't get you know, it's, it's like you don't have to to do all this punitive stuff if if you're having a hard time in in chemistry. Yeah, that's the best argument I've ever heard, actually, for indoctrination versus education. I've never even really thought about that, but like, yeah, you you get yeah, what are you probation or fined for not going to these chapels? Or in our case, like at Moody, we had to do a they called it practical Christian ministry. I think it was what it stood PCM. for. PCM PCM yep. is what they called it. Ooh. You had to weekly participate in some sort of ministry and, you know, sign off on it every week saying that you did this, that, and the other thing. Um, and you would get, you know, you get kicked out of school if you weren't staying on top of that. Um, but it's just so wild to me thinking about it now and realizing like, yeah, you get it. There was all these punitive measures for 
not following through on those aspects. But then as far as like school, you know, if you were struggling, they try to help you through it. But like you could, you could kind of, you know, half <laughs> through school and, and make it out fine, but you can't, can't half ass <laughs> through going to chapel or, or if you get caught drinking. Yes. Or heaven forbid that you, you know, have some wine while you're out, you know, on a date with a girl yeah. uh, or, or a guy. Why are you on a date, Chris? Why are you on a date? date? Yeah. yeah. What are you doing, man? What are you planning <laughs> on doing after? Well, if you know what sex is at these schools and you have it, you, it's also big. big Another good penalty, way to get penalties. kicked out right there. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you'd get kicked yep. out. You would. Yeah. Well, sort of. Or shamed <laughs> or, or, or shamed yeah. quietly by oh. certain circles. Moody has some very, uh, I don't, I don't mind exposing them like this. Uh, Moody has some very public issues about this. You can just Google Moody Bible Institute and title nine and cry yourself to sleep. Oh, um, heaven for, yeah, it's, yeah, it's painful. Ugly. It's been a whole thing. Yeah. So, and then, so just real quick back to chapel, you know, the reason you don't want to go to chapel if you have, I don't know, certain level of intellect is that at APU, the chapel speakers were notoriously bad. Just, I don't know where, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of chapels, right? So there's some good speakers oh, yeah. and some famous people come through, but man, when you have to fill that, you know, almost a hundred chapel services for a school year. Over four years too. Yeah. I mean, and there were a lot of, you know, people famous people Returning. would come through yeah <clears throat> but still there there were some really screwy chapel speakers that i heard about who who um gave talks of you know about let's like uh like environmentalism is of the devil and um, oh nice you know just weird stuff like that that even even my most conservative students were like what the hell was that you know that's it's uh they would just chalk it up to well oh, that was a weird chapel um, we had if you a care about gyms, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you care about like what you're being taught, it's it, it would make students mad. And by the second or third year, they're just through with it. You know, even if they're still very Christian, a lot of students are just like so sick of chapel by the second or third year. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. We had a, a girl who was hosted at one point. She did a, a chapel. It was a girl, I believe, actually, which is shocking. Um, but there was a, a young woman who did it uh, who was – I think her claim to fame was that she had been a contestant on Survivor. And uh, that yep. was the kind of celebrity level we could afford at Moody. <laughs> um, it was just, she, she was and, actually the cousin of one of the students. Just so you Is know. that the connection? There's always a connection. Yeah. 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 We, we, at least APU had the resources to bring in at least a couple of good famous ones because our famous was mediocre at best or just really problematic. We had a, uh, trying to remember his name is michael ferris the like head of the family research council um Oof. my senior year which coming as a as a former homeschooler that was that was a little bit triggering for me i was like i'm not going to be going to this one I, I'm, I'm dodging this one for sure wow yeah fun times yeah well even the famous ones aren't weren't great like early on when i was at apu they had kurt cameron and oh no <laughs> <laughs> And he just came out and laid an egg, man. It was, it was, <laughs> it was like, it was like a precursor to Trump, just, just oh, all man. over the place, non sequiturs, yeah. mumbling and just ranting about, and the students couldn't agree on even what he had said afterwards. Um, but one of his, his main message was basically love is, a, is not how you witness to people. You have to use fear and tell them they're going to hell. And it's hell, hell. He just kept saying hell and hell and hell. And so, <laughs> tell it, Kirk. Yeah. Ah, uh, you uh, know what so, you're talking about, man. So, some students were 
they asked the school to sort of recant the whole thing and they didn't. So students made a mock protest with signs that said like turn or burn and you're all going to hell. And they went marching up and down the main walk after the next chapel, just accosting, screaming in people's faces. You're going to hell. And do you know where you're going? If you died today, do you know where you're going? And uh, it was hilarious. It was, there aren't protests at APU, but, so, that's you know, I went to I went to a big state school, so there was protests every other day. It was just you just learn how to like put your head down and go through them. But like at APU, it was it shook them up, <laughs> getting screamed at with signs. Yeah, I th- I like to think I was the part of the leadership of one of the only protests that ever happened at Moody. Um, you were it didn't go well. It did not. It backfired <laughs> real quick. Yep. <laughs> Oh, thanks to thanks to uh, control and abuse of the yeah. system. Yes, what yeah. were you protesting? Uh, an 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 unjust firing of a professor. Oh, um, yeah, and I really the protest was so mild. It was so it was mild. a petition. Yeah, it was yeah, a petition he, he asking for clarifications. Yeah, I was just asking yeah. for clarifications, and it became like, do you even believe in you know what Moody stands for? And I'm like, what the, what are we talking about? If I'm remembering uh, correctly, students were were kind of not quite, but kind of threatened um, a little bit too. There was there was a lot of talk about we were intimidated and uh, yeah. respect for authority. So yeah. I was I, I remember this was right around the time John and I were becoming friends. I was with him and he was getting phone calls from students asking if he could take their name off the list because they felt uncomfortable or afraid. Oh, so they signed it and they're like, you know what? Uh, no. I take it back actually. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not you, it's it's me. And by me I mean uh, This it's is the moody. craziest part. It was under the direction of a pastor who was a part-time prof there who was basically saying he would consider excommunication if something like that happened in his church and he kept saying it just like that to students. It got his message across. Ooh. Healthy, real healthy community. Yeah, and and that's why we're here talking about it. <laughs> yeah, isn't this great? <laughs> I know this. What What's interesting to me is when I've described like Christian college in the past and stuff. People are like, "Is it accredited? Is it Is it this? Is it that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's a it's a real degree that I have." Like it's nobody not, knows I how, but yes, <laughs> it is. It is real. Um, you know, and what's what's I think funny about it is, uh, you know how many people actually stop being Christian or at least stop being like evangelical after being in like a Christian environment like that for four years. And obviously there isn't like any formal studies about this that I'm aware of, but there's a longstanding joke that nothing will make you an atheist faster than reading the Bible. Um, yeah. I've also found that nothing will, will make you uh, dislike Christians more than going to Christian college. Uh, would you say that's a fair statement? Yeah, that's one of the main themes of my podcast is that um, actually studying the Bible and trying to have some kind of indoctrination, conservative indoctrination forced on you is is the fast track to deconstruction. Um, yeah, I never yeah. expected it. I, I went in, I struggled with doubt a little bit here and there and really didn't want to deal with it. So I thought this will fix it. And boy, howdy, that did not have the impact I thought it would. It, it it definitely did the exact opposite of what I was trying to accomplish. They should call that the Bart Ehrman. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, man. He, tra- syndrome. He, he traumatized <laughs> yeah. Moody, that's for sure. We were we were joking about why you had to sign all this on your way out. I, I think Bart Ehrman by himself could be the reason we signed all those things on the way out to graduate. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that's post only post-Bart Ehrman 
I would not be surprised. They they used his name as like a a way to make you know instill fear into you as a student. Yeah, a caricature. Right? Yeah, you don't want to turn tale. out like Bart Ehrman. Although we had a we had a running joke among students, we would there were a few of my friends would sometimes just jokingly they would just like yell Bart Ehrman was right um, in <laughs> in like crowds of students. They just like be walking by the coffee shop and just pop in and just like hey Bart Ehrman was right and then walk out and see what happens. It was it was a good time. Um, what I never imagined is that I would actually agree with that statement in any way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, Bart Ehrman's like a hero to me. I, oh, he's I incredible. Was, I was still calling myself a Christian when that first book came out. Um, I think, was that Misquoting Jesus? Yeah, I have um, that book right now, actually. A, yeah, and that basically finished me off. I was just like, ah, well, there it is. No, no, there it is. <laughs> that's my ticket out because, yeah, what do you say to that? It's the, the only text, the only written guide to this whole religion has some major problems, major flaws that you really can't, you know, can't really, can't really talk your way to yourself out of that. Yeah. And this actually ties in well, because I think a lot of people would assume that if you're going to study religion, like most of it, you would think would be like, oh, what's the historical context of the Bible and the early church? And in my experience, (laughs) Christian college will tell you that they are teaching you about the historical context. Um, But a lot of what I've learned about the history and the environment of both the Jesus and the early church after, uh, I didn't learn at Bible college. I learned from other books that they did not give me. Oh, that's interesting. Because at APU, like a lot of the students I'm interviewing took these Bible classes, these really intense Bible classes at APU. And it it wasn't like a Bart necessarily a Bart Ehrman approach, but just a real honest look at some of the holes or the some of the contradictions um with i think the goal is to try and help students through that <laughs> to reconcile those those things in the bible but it's not always an easy fix once you you pull that thread and so you know while a lot of students can go through those classes study it in depth see the the problems and emerge with their faith completely unscathed a lot don't um and so it's it's a real gamble, I think, for Christian colleges to have actual Bible classes that, that honestly and deeply look at it. Yeah, I have to have some respect for their willingness to do that. We, I think, from, from my degree at least, we only had one class that really dug into that. And it was the sophomore year. There was like a Bible, an introduction to Bible class. Um, and a lot of that went into things like textual criticism and things like that. And your description is basically what it was. Like, I think it was an attempt to try to like, here's some of the issues um, in the field. Here's some of the, the problems in the text and how we deal with them with, with the hope of like, you know, kind of inoculating you to it a little bit. Um, for me, it was some of those early seeds in questioning the complete inerrancy or uh, infallibility of the Bible. I, I came out of it kind of going, wait, that's, that's all you have. Like, that's what you, I think one of the key points in the class that was, I think even like an exam question was, um, how do you know that the Bible is inerrant? And the answer ultimately was simply that the Bible says it's inerrant. Um, and the professor used the exact words. It is circular reasoning. Um, yeah. In a positive way, like he said, it's circular reasoning. Um, basically all reasoning is circular, Chris. 
All reasoning <laughs> circular. That's the rhetorical okay. move they make. Okay. All reasoning circular. Hey Chris, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you if you have to go. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to sign off here. Actually, you you're a better eye on the clock than me, but I do need to get rolling here. It was good to meet you, Chris. Yeah, it was good to meet you too, Scott. I'll talk to you soon, Chris. You have a good one. Later. Bye. To Chris's point, like it's not that historical context wasn't mentioned or like you know certain problems weren't brought up. It was more like um, the the there were no answers really given. It was just kind of like there's a problem, and that's why we have faith or something to that. Yeah, effect. yeah. They try to downplay it, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Downplay or even um, say. That's not what's important. It's not important what's rational. It's important what you believe. Or yeah. you, you need to find the rationale in your own heart, not in not in history yeah. or academia. The problem is you, not the text. This reminds me of like in Harry Potter when they had a very bad defense against the dark arts professor that was just incapable of helping them. Um, there's there's a parallel there between teaching Bible. Um so at my last my last semester I was I was basically my last year I was I was seeing the end end was near I felt like the administration was circling and ready to to just pull the trigger and and fire me cuz they had demoted me already so I had my my freshman writing students read Bar Airman <laughs> which I had never done before I was just so morbidly curious to see how they would respond to it and I was fully ready to just help them you know get through it but they they read it, and I would say ninety percent of them were just completely unfazed by it. It was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, my faith is bigger than our airmen, and I'm like, but what do you say to this point? And they'd be like, oh, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, you know, I'll I'll ask this question, but feel free to, you know, answer it however you want. I tend to keep this stuff vague myself, um, so don't feel like you have to go into any detail. But are you aware of any, like, sinister cover-ups that might have happened at APU? Yes. Well, I don't know about cover- yeah, or, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, they there were, there were a couple of professors who were gay and were fired for it, and they would phrase it as, you know, this this professor has violated the community guidelines or in the handbook or something. There was one professor that quit in the middle of the night, in the middle of a week. And um, <laughs> the very next day, we got these notices saying, when you meet with a student of the opposite sex, make sure you keep your door open. And if there's anything blocking the window open, it was just like, oh, gee, you can put two and two together and figure out what happened there. Um, none of this was discussed. Um, but yeah, there, I think quite often there there was some kind of shenanigans where you're like, oh, they're doing it again. Yeah. And again, yeah, I, I, I'm happy you're able to reveal that much. Again, I try to, you know, kind of keep my hands clean of some of it, but it's amazing what uh, can happen really at any university, right? Like there's always going to be some ethical things that are sketchy, but it certainly seems to be more the talk of the day sometimes at these uh, Christian colleges. Yeah. Yeah. And I write about a couple of things. Actually, I'm editing a lot of them out of my book because um, I don't want to get sued, but there were so many things that when, when you're in a Christian school, the, the stakes are higher because, you know, you have this like 
mandate from God to do what you're doing. So it's more than just an ethical dilemma for them. It's it's their their Christian reputation is on the line. Well, in our case, it was also investor money because a lot of Moody's right. money came from very old school fundamentalist investors, um, which is why right. some of the policies were kind of really well, not kind of. They were very outdated. Like when I first when I was a freshman at Moody, um, you could not have shirts with words on them was one of the rules. Any uh, words? any words it had to be plain clothing and i was like what and they were like well that was just easier for them than to say what kind of graphic tees were offensive or whatever um huh so yeah you know and that rule that literally my sophomore year they did away with that rule um but it it's yeah for them it it was about reputation and it was also about money like they needed right. money and if they failed in a in any kind of ethical way uh it could cost them a lot of money yeah, and I think money is often, or if not always, pretty much what determines any kind of policy or any kind of, you know, we mentioned cover up. Um, because yeah, if if they if they get accused of being pro this or anti that, that's that's contrary to the you know evangelical culture, then donors get nervous, and um, you know, like APU got money from like the Koch brothers. Um, so really, polit- political ramifications too. Wow, that's mm, I, I just I could do a whole episode on this. That that's fascinating. To me. Yeah. Um, you know, but we were mentioning earlier. You know, you were one of these kinds of professors, and was Chris was on. We were talking about this too. Like, I really admire a lot of my professors. Um, who I who I met at Bible College, but they also signed some horrendous doctrinal statements, and uh, you know. Even even what whether they agreed with them or not, I know me and those professors have like really fundamental disagreements now. Um, sure. But how can like smart, wholesome, great professors uh, perpetuate such like toxic views of evangelicalism? I, I asked myself the same thing <laughs> a lot. And I'm not sure. Like one example I had was... Um, I met a woman, she was a brand new hire. She was a late convert. She had like she said she had just become a Christian and she had like two degrees. She had a law degree and a PhD in like sociology. And um she was like a full on like she loved Sarah Palin <laughs> and everything Sarah Palin said. And like, how does that happen? That's that is so bizarre to me. Yeah, it is bizarre. Um and especially Sarah Palin, I mean, she's kind of a fun punching bag, obviously. But, but yeah, there, there's, you know, uh, me and Chris have recounted about how like some of our professors who we really cared about and thought were amazing people said like the most is like Islamophobic and xenophobic things I've ever heard in my life. It's really, it's really an odd thing. I, and you know, everyone can have kind of inconsistency in their behavior but it's really strange when it gets to like the professor level or like the teaching level of even maybe a pastor yeah i think it just speaks to how deep things like evangelical christianity go to forming an identity maybe it's it's more the identity is more important than the belief maybe I certainly think that's true, especially in like a modern evangelical context. Uh, we would even talk about this in preaching classes about how like identity is like 
not just in Christian circles, but in our culture, just such a huge thing. And the way it was presented in preaching class was, so that's why when you preach, make sure you make clear what identity in Christ means. Don't worry about theology. Don't worry about this. It's all about getting to people's identity and making them feel like they identify as a Christian. And we would actually talk about this with all sincerity. Yeah, and and it's there's probably a a space where that's not so insidious <laughs> when it, if it, if you're talking about general issues, but yeah, when it when it comes to like the big things like like racism or um homophobia or or misogyny um it gets it, those those conversa- conversations get pretty tough. That's cuz you you realize you're not necessarily arguing the issue the points of the issue you you're literally arguing about someone's identity who has formed an identity in in some of these in some of these stances Mm. yeah i agree you know we've talked a lot about all these horrible things that we've observed and like you know some of it's kind of comical but some of it's actually really damaging and obviously does a lot of like trauma and like horrible things to people uh Here's a way to kind of get to the short of it and make it controversial to to ask, but do you think Christian colleges should be legal? <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I as 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 vocal as I am criticizing them, especially with my podcast and the book I'm writing, I would never go so far as to to try and outlaw them because it's. It's free speech, you know, essentially. And so, freedom of religion, maybe. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so as long as we can point out um, what we disagree with and where, and where we see this as damaging and harmful to society, if, as long as we can do that, then they can exist. <laughs> and then people can decide for themselves how, how to see them. I think I agree. I, I, I get a little tripped up over like, um, you know, <laughs> we have we have laws about non-discrimination and like the only thing that's technically legal to discriminate about is religious views. Mm. Um, and it's like an exemption, basically. Right. Um, and it's it's just a little bit of a gray area for me, because, again, you might say one thing, um, you know, you might say like, uh you know, like I'll use Moody as an example, like Moody was excellent at being like legally agile when it comes to, to stuff like they they uh, wouldn't technically refuse you if you were, you know, gay or black or, you know, uh, you know, whatever. But there were like workarounds because the requirements, you know, were stuff like you must believe in the inspiration authority and inerrancy of scripture which might sound fine and dandy until it says in the next sentence, Moody understands that the Bible, biblical office of elder pastor in the early church was gender specific. Therefore it maintains that it's, uh, you know, consistent with an understanding of scripture that those church offices should be limited to the male gender. Um, and then oh, it was wow. like based on, based on scripture, uh, non-marital sex, homosexual sex, same sex, romantic relationships and gender identification incongruent with one's birth sex, all violate God's generous intention for human relationships. I hope you're reading that. I am. 
you're not this is not from memory <laughs> yeah no it's not i'm not that uh i'm not i'm not that <laughs> okay. neurodivergent um but, uh such practices misrepresent the nature of god himself and therefore are sinful under any circumstance uh they also say that after the rapture israel will be restored to her land never more to be removed um and so you can like see that like well that's breeding like things that are illegal <laughs> you know um or or could it feels like a legal loophole almost so that's where my only tension is is how specific the laws need to be about religion i think that well, i right. might have some disagreement with the populace about that yeah well in the like places like apu can get can get around all the title nine stuff because of religious exemption so they that's are horrifying. so that's that's the part that i would would want to step in you know they're legally allowed to discriminate against their gay students you know they're they're legally allowed to make students sign these very rigorous statements of faith you know as a basis for being admitted um because it's a private school too um so those those are the kinds of legal parts that i i would be okay challenging um but then I would also ask, you know, if you were gay, why the heck would you want to go there? <laughs> because <laughs> sure, just, sure, it's gonna suck. Um, sure, well, and but that's where the issues of like not being out or not knowing, right. and, like you exactly. know, that kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, it can be very, can be very dangerous on on those kind of on school campuses like this, and uh, well, just all school campuses, but especially for sure, Christian. for sure. Um, yeah, and and in some of the episode, upcoming episodes, we talk about you know a lot of these students don't realize they're gay until they get there you know or um they're tr they they think a, a that the school will help them not be gay or or you know so there's a lot of reasons gay students are at apu yeah for sure yeah but it, yeah it's it's all very very frustrating to like yeah and there were plenty of gay people at moody who you know just were weren't out or weren't were in denial about it for a while or whatever it may be um because of all this, I frequently call evangelicalism a cult. It's a bit of my branding. Um, yeah, yeah. Hence the name. Of <laughs> hence the name. Um, they sell, sell the <laughs> sell the t-shirts. You know, do the thing. Um, but there are there are subcultures that form at Christian college that have kind of their own self-contained characteristics. So, do you think like uh all colleges form little bubbles and cults or is there something particularly um lurid about christian colleges yeah i think all colleges form a bubble of some kind it's just some are bigger than others so um you know any any fine ivy league school certainly has its own bubble um but it's it's very intellectual and academic and generally open minded kind of all so i think christian colleges the bubble's a little more insidious. <laughs> it's a little bit more programming toward being anti-human, um, um, which is kind of what, to your point, the cult aspect of it. So, uh, can you hear thunder? It's it's a rare thunderstorm here in Southern California. So, I can I can hear puppy and thunder, but I'm okay yeah, with both. The dogs, so. the dogs flipping out. <laughs> We welcome all animals here on the yeah. podcast, so, okay. so don't sweat about it. And my son just cor corralled him. I'm like, get the dog out of here. Um, <laughs> no, no problem at all. Um, oh, what's your dog's name? Is it something Christian? Because that'd be amazing. It is not. It's uh, his name's Mac. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, the, you never know. Sometimes there's like leftover pets, and it's entertaining. 
Um, but I guess yeah. for you, that would be a pretty old pet. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I agree with you. All colleges form bubbles, but yeah, there's so much more us and theming at Christian college, I think. Yeah. Cause, and there's a bubble can be a good thing, right? It can be like a, a developmental tool to, to teach certain skills and, and subjects, um, for, for the purpose of helping you go out, out of the bubble, right? The problem with like APU, we they did a they do an alumni survey every year, and every year the biggest complaint is students don't feel prepared to be in the world. So in this case, the bubble's not helping them navigate. Moody a, a has life. the exact same evaluation verbatim. Right? Yeah, and it's the same thing, right? The students they like the school, they had a great time, they feel like they learned a lot, but dang it, really struggle going to work every day, talking to people <laughs> who, who don't go to church with me and you know they do things like smoke or drink alcohol or have sex and wow it freaks me out and you know so yeah it's rough unless unless you i guess well, at moody you have less of that right because you, you a lot of most of the people are going, going to work <laughs> yeah, in but, church yeah you have more people going to work in church i wouldn't say you have less of anything at moody, <laughs> in my opinion but okay, same, i think same issue but i yeah. But I think they wouldn't. I think it's way more under the radar at Moody, though. Like super on the we, you know, Moody is named after uh, D. L. Moody, and so we always had a joke to uh, keep it on the D. L. Moody. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there was a lot of lot of lot of stuff, um, lot, lots of lots of funny stuff that you know. Obviously, some people who who knew me back in Bible college after after this podcast have reached out and told me these crazy stories that I'm like, where was that? That sounds like a party. I should have been there. Oh, um, see, you're traveling in the wrong wrong crowd. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> the I, they right were probably crowd. they were probably wise at the time to not let me in those groups. But uh, oh, you know, yeah. I, I've I've made a lot of changes in a short amount of time. Uh, made up for lost time. Yeah, trying to certainly trying to. Um, all right, here's my harsh statement. Let's see how you feel about it. Um, okay, bring it on. I, be- I believe that Christians want Christian colleges to you know, exist and flourish because they want brainwashing camps that raise up leaders for the next generation so that they can maintain a power structure. Is that a, uh, a wild accusation or just an observation? I'm going to call that an observation. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I know. I need That's- a sound effect. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll take observation for 500. Uh yeah, I th- I think I think that's right on. It's the funny thing is they they will they'll they'll cop to that and deny it at the same time. Um, yep. they they'll they'll phrase it differently. They'll say, "Well, that's technically true, but I think I would uh, they'll, they'll try and put it in positive terms, right? Cuz that indoctrination is for a foundation of devout faith which is supposed to be salt and light to the earth, right? To the world around them. But it ends up in practice, especially today being, you know, it's kind of racist. It's kind of white supremacist. It's kind of all these things. So, so yeah, I, 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 uh, I'll go, I'll go with you on that. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, do people say, no, no, I totally disagree. <laughs> well, so there's, there's, from what I'll summarize it this way, I think there's usually three perspectives to my like uh, church spiracy stuff that I put out there every now and then. There's usually either um, you're right, Christianity is a cult, or you're almost right, Christianity is problematic and self-sustaining and needs work. 
or you're way off base. Satan's got you. Uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> that That's the most fun answer, I think. Well, I, actually, more accurately with evangelicals, kind of your positive spin. I was laughing while on mute while you were talking about it because I was like, he still got it. Um, <laughs> you were describing <laughs> the type of terms they they use. Um, but uh, it, I think what most people would say is uh, uh, Satan. If they want to say it's Satan, they might say the world, my my ego, flesh, whatever they pick. Yeah. Um, is uh working to prevent me from the potential I have to spread the good news mm. like that that would be because and and I've had as much said to me my whole life is like God's gonna use you mightily or you know like you you're you're a persuasive guy, think of all you could do for God, like that kind of stuff, and I think the angle a lot of Christians take on it is what you know even some of the more progressive ones would say, wow, he's like pointing out a lot of good problems. I wish he was on our side. I think that's a lot of the perspective people have on me. Yeah. We, we, you and I could still probably work PR for, for churches in, uh, Christian I'd be making so much more money. Oh my gosh. I'd be making so much more. Man, money. We, we missed our calling. Oh, I think I tell people all the time. Well, I, another joke I say is if I ever come back, I'm going to have the best testimony of anybody. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, that's what I'm setting up for. It's it's a big grand scheme to to get more money as a pastor later on. I have a friend who's a really great musician, piano player, and a complete atheist, but he gets hired to lead worship at churches in Southern California, and he just he because he knows how to he knows the lingo. He grew up in it. He even like leads prayers. Um, yeah, so. He's, I'm too. You get a lot of money. I don't that. have enough filter. I don't have enough filter. I I've done it before. I've led worship while not uh, believing it, but I hate. It. I was like, this yeah, is yeah. miserable. Yeah. At this point, I'm so far out. I'd slip up and yeah, and say the <laughs> f word or something. Or I actually, I I did do that once leading. I will, but <laughs> I, I I I thankfully I think I was just off mic enough. Not people didn't hear it, but I was like, oh crap! I just cussed like. <laughs> um, but You're speaking yeah. in tongues. Well, yeah, that's what. Yeah, something came over me. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Um, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. I'm a, such a big fan. Uh, I'll let you plug away. Uh, you know, where can people find you, and what's your podcast? Give them, give them the deets. Well, yeah, I'm a fan of yours too, man. I, you know, when you got in contact with me, I did a deep dive into your podcast too. So I think the conversations you're having are super important and uh, and super fun. So thanks for having me on. Um, it's my pleasure. So, uh, I have a podcast called Chapel Probation, and this first season is just about APU because these are the people I know and the stories I want to tell. The second season, which will be later this year, will be opening up to uh, other schools. So I, I should have you and Chris on to talk about Moody um, and your experience. I can't speak there. for Chris, but I, I'd love to come on. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And um, my website is rscottokamoto.com. And it's sort of the hub for all the stuff. I have a blog and I'm hoping to get a book published. Uh, I think I'm about to sign a publishing deal this week or next week. So it takes like a year. So in a year, there'll hopefully be a book and uh, hope to start an OnlyFans. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, I do pretty well with the, uh, the 60, 70 plus uh, crowds. So, um <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. No one's ever promoted their OnlyFans before. Yeah. You're first. How about well, it's that? A, it's a theoretical OnlyFans. I'm just, I'm just sort of floating <laughs> the idea right now. You know, I've been working out, and so um, 
you know, I heard you can can make some money. <laughs> I love the idea of like, yeah, I'm just testing it, dipping my yeah, toe yeah. in. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> depending on the response to this sort of thoughts, <laughs> my <laughs> inbox is just flooded with like, what's Scott's yeah. OnlyFans? <laughs> yeah, no, they're like, no, absolutely not. Please no. <laughs> Well, Scott, it's been it's been an absolute joy. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This is yeah, this man, is had a blast. Stuff. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, and thank you, listener, for stopping by. If you wish to learn more about what's going on in my life, or wish to purchase my book, go to thecultofchristianity.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, please continue to listen, follow, share, and consider subscribing for additional content. For only five bucks a month, you'll have access to two additional shows, Parsing Propaganda, where I review and critique Christian content, and Art, where we try some amateur religious trauma therapy. Every subscriber becomes a part of something bigger than this podcast as we endeavor to hold churches accountable, speak the truth boldly, and most importantly, love others despite our pain. Thank you for listening, and remember to keep love in your life, hope in your heart, and searching in your soul.